<laughs> All right, let's do it old school here. Hang on a second. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Iron iron, so a man sharpeneth the countenance of his friend. Hey, what's the matter, Coach? Boy, With my co-host Rick, man, so glad to have you back here with me, man. It's like feels like uh, feels like putting on an old glove. Oh, oh man, yeah. old glove, honey. Better you know, oil you with some of your oil, man. <laughs> old oil soaked glove, perfectly uh, molded to my hand with the cracks yeah, all. Careful on my rear area, you know. <laughs> <laughs> hey, watch them bowels of mercy, buddy. Hey, it's not being merciful right now. I know. <laughs> Let me tell you, I'm still in my own. Okay, never mind. <laughs> oh, Rick, you're such a gas. Oh, man, I have full of gas. <laughs> we are down here. We are down here. And we are celebrating our third anniversary of Iron Show. Uh, the Iron Show has been in your ear for three years. This is our third anniversary show, and we want to uh, we want to take you back to the beginning, uh, where it all started, with uh, Iron Show number one. And uh, we had some pretty humble beginnings there, uh, talking through a couple tin cans over 20 miles of bad road into Takshu, and. Uh, <laughs> And uh, don't forget the Mexican and cocaine. Oh yeah, we had cocaine. That that the first uh, what? <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is me and Rick, man. We had talked like uh, at this point, you know, in Iron Show One. This was uh, late July of uh, 2009. So uh, we we started back in the single digits, buddy, man. When like dudes were riding dinosaurs and stuff, and like gunpowder had just been invented, you know, over in China. We we fired up the Iron Show back in history. And so me and Rick, we had done, um, we had already done two sessions together. Uh, we had been uh, we had done some live talk show uh, before. Uh, actually, we were praying for Dr. Future. We did two sessions where we were praying for Dr. Future because he was going to be on Coast to Coast AM. Those are the first two Iron Shows which exist, but you'll probably never hear them. But anyway. <laughs> so anyway, me and Rick had just, we we'd just gotten to know each other. And so we kind of, you know, we're you know, getting to know each other in this session. And uh, it's really rough, but... Uh, Thank <laughs> you. 
Allah. I found it online somewhere. Uh, I remember that song. All right, Iron Show 1. Let's play a clip from the beginning of Iron Show 1. With Rick, the surfer. Hey. He's my co-host, host, co-host. Hey, hey Rick. What's up? <laughs> he has put off his surfing engagement to be on the Iron Show here with Johnny Boy. And uh, we are going to talk about, what are we going to talk about, Rick? How about growing in grace and uh, lifting each other up and instead of batting each other down? How about that? Uh, how about that, Rick? How about that? Hey, it's uh, it's still going on. I still feel the same way. Right on, me too, man. Because that's all I ever hear, uh, you know. And I see consistently, not 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 the same in the church, but as individuals, uh, you know, uh, I'm very guilty of it, and uh, a lot, and especially when I get to my political points of view, or or uh, you know, which I really don't have an eschatological view. I just not anymore. I just gave up on it <laughs> you know it's just because it's just it's useless it, it just I see what it does to people it just creates an ideology so we don't do that no more and I, uh, I, anybody, I, anybody I, that has it I just go ahead you can believe what you want but I'll just I'll, I'll just believe what scripture says and I won't twist it I just leave it alone I don't need to have an opinion on scripture anymore yeah yes yeah that's a big difference between me and Rick. Um, I'm a futurist. I'm into eschatology, and he is absolutely not. In fact, the older he gets, the less he is into eschatology. He has actually kind of pretty much totally rejected eschatology. But, you know, we have to, um, you know, we have to come together on the core theology, the things that really matter. We can't let these things divide us, you know. And uh, sometimes it's tough, man. Sometimes we've had some hard times, you know. Me and Rick have gotten into some, uh, I don't know, I'll call them battles, but... Uh, yeah, they were battles. They were just, you know, it's what happens with top shows, you know. Um, I read the battle politics, you know. <laughs> but in, with the church, I'd rather, uh, you know, it, it, those things don't matter to me. They just, they don't. It's not... It doesn't, eschatology doesn't matter the end time. What matters to me is each day. And, you know, I know Christ is coming. I'm secure. I'm going to be with him when he comes. And, uh, oh, it's going to be wonderful. But until then, I'm, I'm going to continue doing what he wants me to do. And, uh, concentrate looking up in the skies and making sure that I'm doing, you know, his will. And, of course, he, he's the one that's going to keep me from stumbling. So that's just the assurance for me. Isn't that cool, Johnny, that he's the one? And it goes in Jude. But at the end of Jude, after Jude just blasts, you know, what's going on in the church, he goes, but at the end he goes to him who will keep you from stumbling. Oh, uh, man, man. Do we need somebody to keep us from stumbling or what, Red? Oh, gosh, man, I need to oh, keep them. Man, I'm telling you what, man. I need somebody to keep me from stumbling. Your boy Johnny, man, he walks on the edge. Yeah. On the edge, brother. I've been walking on the edge for a while. I'll try myself lately. I've been getting rid of my, uh, you know, that thing, you know, after studying Romans over and over again and, and 
and Galatians. Yeah, I mean, Romans, man, if you can study that, if you can grasp that, dude, you are a, you are a long way as an advanced Christian if you can actually grasp Romans. Man, I've been going through it with J. Vernon McGee. Oh, I love him. I love what he does. Oh, man, Romans with him. It's just, uh, you know... I'll make that available to you, Iron Show listeners, you know, this, these Roman studies with J. Vernon McGee, because that's what I've been soaking in. I'm going to tell you what, you know, I'm not going to lie to you, Rick. There's a lot of Romans that I just don't understand. Well, you know, that's what you got to keep doing, because, you know, the Holy Spirit's going to show you the way he wants to show you, so uh, you constantly keep reading it, and you just got to understand that, you know, uh, the crucial... The first seven chapters are very crucial to, to understand before you can go to uh, 8, 9, and 10, and 11. So, um, really understand it, you know. You know, another one is John Piper is going to be awesome as well. Uh, oh, I bet. But it's, it's very, it, it parallels J. Uh, Vernon McGee's anyway. And J. Vernon McGee parallels Arjun. So, you know. Right. You know, J. Vernon McGee, you know, read Spurgeon. He's actually yeah. talks talks about Spurgeon on, you know. I know that Spurgeon, and I know it's not like, you know. I went, I, I went Spurgeon fishing a while ago. What caught me a big one? I pretty near pulled me out of the boat. I'm going to tell you what, man. I rested that thing in the boat. I smoked that whole thing in the backyard in the smoker. I sure knew that Johnny stepped in it. <laughs> <laughs> Did you step oh, yeah. in it, Johnny? <laughs> you know, but it, <laughs> but getting back to what we were, you know, the, that sound bite that we played for our show one, you know, how about, uh, you know, how about, you know, lifting each other up instead of batting each other down? That's just been this theme of the Iron Show, you know, between me and Rick, because me and Rick are very, very much opposite in our views. Oh, no. I'm a futurist. He is not. I'm into eschatology. He is not. I like the wild theories. He doesn't. He likes to stay more grounded in just what he can actually confirm and understand. Where no, I, all the rest is just, you know, conjures up arguments and then between Christians and then we get all, you know, I just, I see, I saw what it did to people and I saw what it did to me. And, you know, you, you can believe in all the 25 different versions if you want. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like, it's all about the 25 different versions of eschatology, and I just went, all right, I, there's one argument after the other, and it's, if, once you understand all 25 of them, you know, but at least get a grasp of all 25 of them, then you start going, okay, you know what, this is just a waste of time. <laughs> Jesus is in me now, and I, oh, no, you never let go through the calm and through the storm, so... Oh, yeah, don't let go of me, Jesus. Yeah, I no. do that. As a worship leader, I do, I do that. I just I just like the moment I have with him, with Christ. And, you know, whether you're political and you want to think things are idols or Christian churches doing this or that, you know, I'll stay with Jude again. And St. Michael, who didn't bring a railing, a railing in an accusation against Satan, but said simply, the Lord rebuke you. So we'll just keep it like that. That's why we don't want to bring each other down. Lift each other up. That's the Iron Show. It's the Iron Show, man. we got to lift each other up. You know, we can't uh, let these things divide us. I mean, there's things going on. You know, I'm, I'm heavy into podcasts. I listen to everybody, you know. And there's things going on, you know, like um, 
uh, there's, you know, the, the Genesis 6 thing. We got people that all agree that, you know, the, that, this, that the sons of God were, were angels that came down with women. But, see, those guys agree on that. But then they um, disagree that there was a second incursion after the flood. And they fight and, 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 and over that stuff. And, now the, and, they, and that actually formed a point of division, you know, like one won't talk to the other. And that's like, we are against that on the Iron Show, you know, because, you know, there's only core doctrine, really, that you can confirm. There's only Jesus was God. He was raised from the dead. He died for your sins. He's the only way. And that's really the only thing that we can really hang on to absolutely firmly. And we always have to come back to that. We Jesus, can't Jesus let things... He's the angel of the Lord. You know? He is the angel of the Lord. He is. He- he is the Lord. But he is he's, the Lord. He's messenger of the Lord. Fully Which, God, fully man. Same thing. So, you know, if you want to stop talking about angels, just get off of it and just stay Right, here. yeah, I mean, I because, mean, you know, and the, the whole thing is, you know, we got to lift each other up. We can't, even though we disagree on uh, things that are beyond the pale, that uh, we, can't, uh, we can't let these things divide us. We can't let these things cause us to break fellowship, you know. Just because we disagree on things that are non-core doctrine, so what, you know? we got to let that all slide because... You can't let uh, fantasy or opinion or ideology or anything, because you know what? It's not about us in the first place. It's not about what we think. It's not what we interpret. It's nothing, because God speaks for himself loud and clear. And are you listening? That's what it comes down to. Am I listening? Yeah, one... Yeah, am I listening? And one thing, you know, that Rick has pointed out to me that really has soaked in is that no matter what your eschatological view is, uh, no matter what it is, you, we all we, listen. No matter what your eschatol, no matter what your own eschatological view is, we all we all have our own end times coming. That's every one of us we're going to face. Exactly. That's that's just that's the core of the message. You know, whether if you believe in an antichrist or many antichrist, whether you believe what's going to happen, I think it's all going to be. Excuse me for using the phrase, bitching. So, (laughs) bitching. Yeah. Going to be bitching, and uh, that's a surfer term for rad, dude. But you know, rad, dude. That's bitching, man. That's a bitching wave. So. You know, and plus some Christians say, oh, my God, he said bitching. Oh, no. <laughs> we uh, we, uh, we uh, have used the King James cuss words on the Iron Show. Oh, of course uh, we have. <laughs> <laughs> Thou art a poophead. You know, Jesus did say, if you believe and are baptized, you will be saved. But if you don't believe, you will be damned. Or you're condemned already, that means. That's right. You're already condemned. Born condemned. You are born dead. Hard hard spiritual fact to grasp. But it's true. Ye are born dead, my friend. Without Jesus, if you don't believe in Jesus, you are born. You are dead. And if you're feeling bad and you're feeling lost, well, congratulations. You should be feeling lost because you're dead. <laughs> <laughs> That sucks, man, just to know that it's, man, the punishment of God. You, you were talking about Romans earlier, and some people have a hard time understanding it. 
you know, after verse 18, uh, God said that he gave them a debased mind, right? Right. The things were not natural, right? So that means that means it's a punishment. So if a homosexual is a homosexual, that's a punishment. It means he's a slave to his sin. That's why he loves it so much, because he's a slave to it. He's being abused and beaten and, you know, probably get, you know, having his behind cave in after all the things that are going on, but you know. <laughs> That's what's really going on. I mean, oh, that, yeah. That, it's not natural because... <laughs> that, no, that's... That's, hardcore, a real, that's a real medical thing. I mean, oh my gosh. Did you hear him say that? Oh, he sounds like a carnal Christian is that. Oh my gosh. He's talking about... He's talking about butts caving in and all that. Oh my God, let's turn the... Let's no, he's talking about Mexican girls and cocaine. Oh my oh, God. God. Let's change the channel. But, you know, um, oh, I mean, yeah, you know, the actual, you know, the actual, but that whole thing, it's just like a, a heroin addict being addicted to heroin and having, he's a slave to it. He can't, you know, with, with proper treatment, he can get off of it, but that's not true. I've known heroin addicts that have been delivered. Like me, I was a tweaker at one time, and I was hooked on tweaking, you know. Oh, yeah, buddy, me too. And, uh... I'll tell you what, I couldn't get, I needed the Lord, I needed God delivered me from that. There's a deliverance that needs to take place. Oh, amen. And it's also that, you know, the will that God created you to have, I don't consider it free will, but he gave you a will. It's, uh, and it's, a, it's that, uh, choice, I, you know, it's choice because, you know, he elected you to be whoever he wanted you to be, but it's your will aligning with his, so... That way, when you come to him, he goes, okay, you know, he, he delivered me just like that. Like, it was over with. It was like, okay. You know, and I, after that day that I, I flushed my bag of dope down the toilet, and that was the last time I ever had it. Yeah, see, man, and that happens, too. But, you know, like with me, it took a couple years, you know. It took a lot of sessions of me crying in the corner, begging Jesus for mercy, telling him I'm sorry I did all that fast, man. I'm not going to touch that stuff again. Then like a month later, I'd be back into it, you know. And three days later, I'd be back in the corner going, Oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. I'm sorry. Oh, please, send your Holy Spirit here because I'm coming down and their ghosts are closing in. Please, I'm, You know, remember one night, man. I remember one night that uh, it was so bad coming down because I would never stay up on it. I know most people... They will just, they will get on that, the, on the fast, you know. We're talking about Crystal, you know. They go up on the fast and they stay up. I mean, they stay up for like a month or two months. My friend Lawnmower Man, man, he stayed up for six months, almost died. But me, I would, three days was it. I was done. Six months? Yeah, he had six a, he months. Had a, you're, you know, your body six has months. to have some sleep. I mean, no, not him, not him. Six months, and I tell you, man, I got a carnal admiration for that guy because, man, anybody can stay up for six months without sleep is one tough that. sob. <laughs> I'm gonna tell you what, man, he's a tough boy. But there, <laughs> you know what happened was uh, we're getting off the subject. But what happened was after six months. He, you know, a lot, that, that stuff will cause infections. It breaks down your immune system. You start getting infections. Anyway. It's yeah. infections. And he almost lost his arm. He, 
he had a volcano on his arm and he went into surgery and they yeah, laid that, that, that's the punishment yeah right that, there look, look at how far people go because yeah. you're walking dead and uh oh yeah um you're dead I mean people are like oh the walking dead the zombies are coming out of you know people on bath salts eating people's uh, homeless people's faces you know <laughs> oh brutal I mean, brutal I mean, in Florida. Did you hear about that, Johnny? Well, actually, you know, they did the tests on the dude, and he was not on anything, which is even more scary, which means he was probably possessed. Well, possessed or completely, absolutely criminally insane. One of the two. And that's even more scary. I would feel better if he was on dope. Ashoff is, you know, uh, probably a demonic... uh, Oppression, you know, being on some type of drug is, you know, it is sorcery. Yeah. Simple. Pharmacia. Whatever spirit, you know, if God allows uh, that to happen, you're under the influence of it. He's going to let it take its course. Okay, you want to mess with that? That, I call that spirits. So. Yeah. I mean, you're going to open yourself up there. Yeah. So. Me, Me and Rick disagree on that point, and a lot of people disagree with me, but I define pharmakai in the Bible only as drugs to contact spirits to, you know, like DMT and all that stuff to contact the other side. People that just take take them to get high, I don't call that pharmakai. I don't believe that's what that is. I think Rick disagrees with me, but... Well, I I don't believe the pharmakai that was talked that's talked about in Revelations, where the What's nations. That's what Paul talked about. And well, the nations. Well, yeah, I remember in Revelations where it talks about the nations repented not of their pharmakai. I think that's a drug use to contact spirits. I think that you can't have one or the other to be pharmakai technically. Uh, I think that the 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 recreational use of dope is. Uh, is uh, different than pharmakia. I think it, that means to contact spirits. You know, like a lot of New Agers do. I mean, they're they're you know, you got all these people down in Mexico. They take trips. All these rich people in America take trips down to Mexico to you know they do the uh, they do the DMT and they do the what's that one? Uh, oh, yeah, marijuana is the same thing, dude. Same I mean, thing. Marijuana is. Uh, Anything, whatever, you know, even hard liquor. You know, I'm not saying that they're, they're trying to contact dead spirits, right? But it's still, they're still called it's still spirit. It's still a seducing spirit. You're gonna open yourself up, whether you want to or not. I mean, yeah, I'm, you know, people are smoking pot and getting, you know, I mean, I, I kind of agree with you on that part. Like, if somebody's really using it for, I mean, you can't. I mean, they're saying medical reasons, and, and if it really does help that terminally ill patient. Um, you know, they got Marinol, and you don't have to smoke it because that's worse for you. But still, you know, there's a difference between a, right, a medication and uh, somebody using it recreationally. Recreation is like, you know, forget it, you know. But And they're causing themselves to be schizophrenic and uh, bipolar anyway while smoking pot because that's what that THC does, you know. Yeah, um, it'll cause mood swings, definitely. I mean, I've been there. I know. I don't. I never liked it anyway. Yeah, it got caused mood thing for me. I got paranoid on it. <laughs> you know, I hate to leave people hanging because I had to finish this one thought that I started about ten minutes ago, and that was that one night, man. I was coming down off the tweak really hard, and dude, it was like there was ghosts flying through my brain. I was so scared, 
And you know, I asked the Holy Spirit, Jesus, to send His Holy Spirit to 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 you know to sleep with me that night, you know, in bed, just to come to be with me, you know, that night in bed when I was coming down. And dude, this feeling came over me. It took all the scary. Uh, you know, tweak, withdrawal away, and the Holy Spirit just covered me like this blanket of love all night, you know, like 12 hours till the morning. And, and man, I, like if you're in that place, just just come, just ask Jesus. Say, Jesus, I believe in you, and uh, I believe that you're the Son of God. I believe that you were raised from the dead. I believe that you died for my sins. And, you know, please send your Holy Spirit to be with me tonight, you know, to comfort me and get me through this. And, you know, if you just do that, I bet God will do the same thing he did for me. Because that's mercy. God is full of mercy. We, you know, our God, he loves, he loves to extend mercy. He is rich in mercy. You know, are you, get, are you needing mercy right now? Man, ask for it. Jesus is nothing but mercy. Am I lying to you, Rick? Nope. Hey, was the ghost like uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark? <laughs> sort of. It's pretty close, man. It's pretty close. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dude, it's scary. It's scary coming down off that stuff. It's you know, you got to be a man to come down off that stuff. You know, I, I I got I got nothing but sympathy for somebody coming down off that stuff, dude. Man, that's brutal. What's up? I used to like to drink more. Oh my god, I can't drink, so. Your liver is going through, you know? I just. Alcohol doesn't work with me. I got the wrong. I get too much Indian in me, and I will. I just can't drink alcohol. I never have been able to. So, I got nothing to lean on but Jesus. Nothing. Anyway, anyway, uh, let's get back and uh, check out some more Iron Show 1 here. Let me read it some scripture to, to put on therefore as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long suffering, forbearing one another and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do he. And above all these things, put on charity which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Oh, we got a lot to be thankful for, don't we, Rick? Yeah, definitely. After all the rough trials I was going through, and, you know, my mom passing away yeah, four months later after I went to that, it put me even worse, like, in a position and almost losing this place. I almost lost two homes within, uh, you know, five months, Johnny. <laughs> I know it, man. You've been through a hard, hard time. Ooh, I almost, I mean, I moved 40 miles away from my, my hometown, where I'm from, and which is not bad. I mean, look what God put me. He put me five minutes for, to the beach, man. Oh, yeah. I mean, you can't complain about that. That's a, something to be thankful for. It's working it out to where I could stay here, but... To do it, you know, go through the make everything basically legal, uh, even if uh, you know. And man, um, so God has really saved you a place to live. He saved your the place you've got. He set that up for yeah, you. Got, and it gave me a good job. I mean, yeah. I mean, I mean just after all the stuff I did for my mom for the years that I did it, 
and, you know, struggling in my own uh, landscaping business and being a struggling musician and being a worst minister and doing the best thing I could for the last, you know, uh, 10 years, just about, uh, you know, it's just, uh, man, and then him just right after my mom, I, he, I get this new job a couple of months later that is very hard to get 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 into the post very office. Very hard to get into. And uh the like, post I mean that's just it's yeah, it's a very hard I mean every everybody that I know that are friends of mine like, how'd you get that job? And I'm like oh, yeah. God because I don't know how I got this job. Jesus. I, you know He is rich in mercy. And I'll tell you what, it is a hard job. <laughs> it is. It's hard work, but, I mean, there's people that would kill for that job. And the way things are out there right now, and then you just land this killer job, and God saves your house, place to live, and everything. Man, you got God. God's been merciful. we got a lot to be thankful for. Yeah, and, you know, you know actually a good chunk of change now. And, uh, you know, my rent's cheap, you know, living near the beach. I mean... I just, I don't know, it, it just, all these things are amazing, and it, it's nothing, you know, I'm very fortunate, it's all his, you know, God could take it away in any minute, you know, and, uh, right, um, it, you know, but it just, right now, from all the huge struggle, is never saying that, you know, you know, it's going to get any easier, because the thing that, you know, God, you know, asks us to, you know, to say, you know, is that what was that? When I find it quote real quick. This is an edit part, Johnny. All right. Oh uh, yeah, I know. I go over it. See, that wasn't it. It was uh, Iron Shows. The Iron Show is highly produced these days, unlike it was in the back in the Stone Age with Iron Show One. Here it is. God has given you two gifts: faith. And suffering. And that's Philemon one twenty nine. Oh, we don't like to hear that, do we? Don't waste them. Ah. Amen. So even though I have the you know, the things that he settled my life out in, in America and it, it me individually and know every Christian that is becoming a Christian, God prospered it, no matter what they go through, and no matter you see each Christian life is unique and the other thing about to add to what you know we were talking about in the beginning is that every Christian's life is unique. We're not all that we are the same body, but we're uniquely created, and uh, God has His own stamp on us. You see, like we have the same mark of our Father. You know, our has as it says in Revelation, but it, ours is unique. We're uniquely created, like. Johnny is like where he stands and what he's going through, what he's understanding, what he's comprehending, and what he's going through, and what he's swimming through, as well as what I'm swimming through, is different. You know, it's maybe you can consider it, uh, you know, whatever you do, like I'll, I'll you know, attribute to surfing. Each has a different style of surfing. Some are goofy foot, some are regular foot. Some can do, you know, switch and go both, you know. I'm goofy foot, man. I am totally goofy foot, bro. Yeah, and if you ride a skateboard, but, you know, and each wave is different. But you're, you're unique in how you ride the wave. You're not like this other guy. And, or when you play guitar, nobody just plays guitar the same. They can probably sound the same. 
but you know, Johnny plays a different style, and I play a different style way, and you know, he has a different voice in how he sings, and I have a different voice. So we're all unique in how we are, and and especially what how we come to understanding. And so when we come to an agreement, it there should be really no arguing about what really what it is or what is not. Now it, it always should be considered that when you are coming to a point, like let's say Genesis six, you know, two through four, um, what is really saying? And it, I'm not not use, I'm using that as a point and not talking about what it is. I'm not going to give you a theory on it or an opinion. But say, when you're approaching that verse, God's showing you something, whether you see it or not, and uh, and it's unique in how you come to understanding what that means. It's, it's by that's why you continue to dive into his word to correct yourself because that's what scripture is, is to rebuke, to correct, to, you know, this is what the Holy Spirit does with you. Even if I saw something like, uh, you know, uh, you know, uh, it's something in there, something that's very simple, relative, but I saw something else, I, you know, it, it really doesn't matter. Like, let's say, uh, Balaam's ass spoke to him because, you know, the donkey saw that, you know, the angel there said, and said, you know, a donkey spoke, you know, and some people say, well, you know, actually, they were talking animals, you know, and I'll say, you know, uh, uh, you know. If God wants them to talk, they're going to talk. That's what I yeah. say. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, you know, from, from you know, babbling and babbling, you, you get the point, and uh, yeah. we're all unique, and uh, that's why it doesn't matter, we, and we all have our faults because we're all sinners. I mean, that's right. sin, forgiven sinners uh, becoming saints, we're being sanctified until you know, constantly until the grave, until we shed this tent, amen. This, uh, this cocoon, this flesh, this you know, everything about it, and uh, so and you know, our wandering minds do swimmer. That's why I always tell people to pay attention to Jude, Jude very closely and really understand what it means. I mean, not really understand it, really dig through it because that's a, a real book. To make you understand, you know, everything else, because, you know, he wanted, Jew goes, well, I really like to tell you about the, you know, you know, about our, the joy of our faith, but I, you know, I want to tell you something else, you know, I have to tell you something else is to contend for the faith, you know, and, uh, but, so, this came to that point, and, uh, but make sure that you're doing everything out of love, and make sure you're showing mercy and grace. And yeah. having grace, and it's very hard to do because we're, you know, we're just a bunch of obnoxious creatures. <laughs> right, you know, and be ye thankful. You know, never never stop going to God and saying, I, Jesus, thank you for everything. And even if your life, like Johnny here, Rick's talked about his life, you know, the last couple years. Johnny's, you know, I've lost everything. You know, I've lost my house, I've lost my family, I've lost everything. But you know what? I'm still thankful because no matter what, happens you know in this life here uh man i have jesus for eternity and man we are going to rule in heaven with him the bible says we are going to rule in heaven with christ and man that is something to look forward to and that is something to be thankful for and i am thankful for that yeah um i don't i I have a hard time concepting ruling anything because yeah me too (laughs) i can't Sometimes I can't even rule my own checkbook. <laughs> uh, yeah. I yeah. Uh, give me that echo. 
<laughs> oh yeah, buddy. Let's let's uh, here. Let's listen to a little more Iron Show here. Iron Show one. Catechism of faith is what is the chief and final end of man is the chief and final end of man is to glorify God and to fully enjoy Him forever. Glorify God and to fully enjoy them forever. And these were just that everybody had to know, you know, in the church. That, that these are the, the, the doctrines that we know together. It's all from the Apostles' Creed. Yeah, the final end of man. There is something to think about. You know, because that's that's like saying, what's the meaning of life? I mean, what's the final end of man? You know, I mean, that is something that should echo in your brain every single day. You know, what is the chief and final end of man? Right? You fully enjoy God and to enjoy him forever. Amen. Let me see if I can dig that. That's noticing how many times I say you know. <laughs> you know, I can tell when I get nervous, you know. You know I just get you're nervous, you know, you and what's up, you know, and, uh, you know, and, you know, and, you know, and, you know, you know, you know, you know. I was like, man, you know, you know, you know, you know. <laughs> Gosh! I've counted like ten you knows. I've been like, hey, don't count them. Let's just listen. <laughs> Jesus is my boyfriend. I don't, don't heard you talk like that at all. 
Oh, he's the only one who cares. I like to sit behind him in math class and comb his pretty hair. Oh, my God. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> My boyfriend songs. I still hate those things. You, you don't like this stuff? Boyfriend song, come on, give me a break. That, that's some good stuff right there, buddy. Good stuff, good stuff. That's Audio I mean, Vision Sweden. Right. Well, what's the name of the band again? Audio Vision Sweden. Right. I've heard them. Um. Yeah. This. That's a. Uh, yeah, but I, I like I said, I don't know about the, Jesus is my boyfriend stuff. I. I, I don't even. I don't even have anything like that. I don't either, man. I, you know, like I said in Iron Show One, I said, you know, I, mean, I think I think Jesus is really into this metal stuff, you know, like audio. I don't think he's into that 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 you know candy, candy candy ass stuff. <laughs> All right, let's listen to some more here. We don't apply our opinion to scripture because it speaks for itself. That's where I, I, I am talking about. When I'm talking about imagination, that's what I'm talking about. I mean, God gave us an imagination and He gave us an opinion. But when it comes to scripture, we stand and we go, okay. And when His Word says, Thou shalt not create a graven image, you know. Okay, but, okay, but if, we're, if we're at a punk rock concert in 
in my forehead my forehead right now from banging it against the concrete when you're playing that dude that's that's some good punk rock man i like that <laughs> oh you got a good voice for that man you do that good guy reminds me of you dude his voice <laughs> I swear, listen to it, everybody. You have to. This dude is Johnny. I was like, who's this voice sound like? And I found this, like, after a long time, I haven't found it. That's Johnny right there. Dude. The guy's name is Johnny. This guy, they call him Creek, but you It does sound like me. It does kind of sound like you, dude. Yeah, weird. Oh, whoa. But, uh... But, I yeah, think- we were, you know, we were going off on the... See, what I was doing in that in that Iron Show 1 there, what, what I was doing was... I was, uh, you know, I was into this, um, this theory about how um, some of the disciples are, you know... Were, that were around in the time of Christ are still alive, still walking the earth. And God has preserved them for all these 2,000 years. And uh, there are actually schools of thought on this by some fairly credible people. There are people that actually do believe that there are some of Christ's disciples that are still walking the earth. And I don't know a lot about it, but I always thought that was really cool. Now, that's a lot of imagination, you know. A lot of imagination, a lot of opinion, you know. But still, that's pretty cool. That would be really cool. I would really like to meet one of those dudes if they actually, you know, exist. (laughs) That would be cool. Oh, well. And one thing about that theory that I like, it's like a lot of theories that are way out there and beyond the pale, is that it really doesn't have a problem with core doctrine or there's really not any doctrine that would speak against that because, I mean, even if they're 2,000 years old, they're still mortal. They're still going to die. They just haven't died yet which I think is really trippy. I know that there's some people who believe that Melchizedek is still walking the earth. I don't know a lot about that theory, but I, I read about it once. And I thought, whoa, that would make him really old because Melchizedek, did you know that in the book of Jasher, uh, Melchizedek was actually Shem and he changed his name? One of the sons of Noah, Shem. I don't know about that because uh, that's what the book of Jasher says. Jasher says, that's yeah, kind of, yeah. I've you know I've kind of looked it up and I've heard those things, but uh, I just leave it alone because of the fact that uh, the book of Jasher is has nothing to do with scripture. Really, it's just a historical account, and of course, it was written in scripture. It looked, it, you know, just like have you haven't you not read it in the book of Kings? Yeah, you know, have or, you not read it in the book of Jasher? 
Have you not read it in the chronicles of the history of the kings of Israel? Yeah, look you know, at the, this is like the that's like the politics of their day, and. Uh, but the Bible does reference them, so they have some value somehow. I don't no, know how. It's like the book of Enoch. It really doesn't have, like some people think, oh, the book of Enoch, but you know that Peter used it, uh, uh, Jude used it. did, but, yeah. But it was, a, you know, that wasn't actually, even though it was written in, you know, uh, the both book of Enoch, the Slavonic and the uh, Ethiopian, one, they're both in there because you know, they are weird books, but it, it's still it, it's an apocrypha. And if Enoch did say the seventh from Adam did say that you know Lord has come on with tens of thousands of the saints, um, it, 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 like I said, it, it really it's still, but it's still not scripture. Otherwise, it'd be part of scripture. There's no book of Enoch or in, in the book, so those are not those are not credible references that we can rely upon as truth. We can only just it's just like we you know. Reading somebody's book on, on screen. Oh, you're gone. Yeah. Oh, there you are. I don't really understand what you're saying. I mean, are you saying that we don't have a proper tradition? <laughs> <laughs> Christian, that is rocking out to uh, Number of the Beast, but uh, <laughs> some serious maiden right there, buddy. I had to do that because of the fact that uh, <laughs> it's just, come on. There's a lot of Christians go after some of the music, and I know there's not a lot of good music. Uh, like, you know, you know, oh, you're listening to Slayer, aren't you? God hates us all, you know. And, uh, so are you equating the Book of Enoch with, like, Iron Maiden lyrics? <laughs> Kind of, sort of, because, <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a great band. I, I like this band. They're not really, you know, he's talking about the number of the beast. But he's not really talking about, you know, he's talking. Okay, but. But it's not. Okay. Scripture. You, you can't go to Iron Maiden and, and, and what it's talking about. You know, only the only thing that's uh, in there that they do quote scripture is, is you know, uh Anyway, I like to read the book of Jasher, and I like to read the book of Enoch. I like the book of Jasher more than any of the other ones, just because there is nothing that conflicts with actual scripture. Enoch, I, I guess we don't have a proper tradition of it, because if we had a proper tradition of it, an actual real book of Enoch, it wouldn't argue with scripture. And it, it die, there's a couple places in Enoch where it um, actually conflicts with scripture. So I'm going to have to say on that, I wish, I think it would be a, I think if we could only have the right book, the, the, real, the real one, that's what I wonder about. And the book of Jasher, you know, I really like that. I love reading that. I, I, I wonder if we have an actual real book of Jasher. I mean, I wonder if these traditions have been lost or we actually have the actual manuscripts or not. That's, that's, 
the whole question for me. Are they real? We know the scriptures are real. We know we have actual real scriptures. But yeah. those other books, we, I don't, we don't know if they're actually the real, actual books. You know that they're not. We already do know. It's already been proven. That they're not? They're not. No. Oh. They've been rejected by the, you know, they've been rejected because of the fact that none of them, no. yet the Lord has quoted. you got to remember, the New Testament agrees only because everything is surrounded by what the Lord has already said. Right. But when you look at, when you look at Enoch, you know the Lord didn't say certain things. He might have used a couple of things, you know. Like, you know, with Irenaeus, right? That's not, a, you know, it, it's, a, it's a credible book when he's talking about against heresies, right? And he's using scripture, but it's still not holy writ. It's just, right. a, it's a sermon. Right. And, you know, Enoch is not a sermon. Right. You know, either is, you know, Jasher is just a historical account. It's kind of like, it's kind of like reading Josephus stuff, right? In his annuals, you know, Flavius Josephus. And, you know, it, it's a very great reference point. On history, and, and of course, it proves that Christ did exist, and uh, it proved that, or, or the sect that existed, and the fall of Rome, and the fall of Jerusalem, and the wars that went on after that. But it's we don't, I don't, you, we don't take it as as you know credible of God's word because God kept it pretty simple. Right, you know, he kept but it. Can we sixty six books? You know. Can, and he, Right, in canon. Can we, though, those those documents, can we reference them as credible historical documents? That's my yeah. question. Yeah, you can. No, they're historical, sure. Uh, you can't say, like, the Shepherd of Hermas, which is a very famous uh, Christian. It's history. And it goes off of some weird, uh, you know, thing. Uh, but we don't, you know, it's part of the first century. And, uh, you know, and the, the, the Didache, which is... Uh, the other one that uh, some people tried to put in scripture, but they're like, "No, this is not. This is not from Holy Spirit." Uh, you know, yeah. though, the Book of Jasher sure helps you understand uh, some of the things that are cloudy. You know, in the Old Testament, like like Sodom and Gomorrah. You know, why did God? Why was God so angry with them? Well, they teach us in church that well, they were homosexual. Well. That wasn't that wasn't really why. I mean, that was like one of many things. But they were evil. They they it was illegal. And the book of Jasher says that in Sodom it was illegal to be poor. And so when you were poor, you had to be tortured. One of the things that they did, like this one poor guy, they um they he had he asked for food. He had no money, no food. He asked for food. And they started giving him money. They sat him in the middle of this big, you know, town square, and and they piled up all this gold and silver on him, and dressed him in a royal robe and gave him a crown. And but they wouldn't let him have any bread or water. They wouldn't let him have any food. And they kept giving him more gold and more silver, but he, he wasn't allowed to have any food, and he starved to death slowly. And I was like, man, that's evil. That is just like totally evil. And also, it was illegal to be a traveler visiting Sodom. And if you were a traveler visiting Sodom, in the book of Jasher, it says that what they would do is they would uh, invite you to stay the night and give you like a hotel room, but they would put you in this bed. And if you were too tall for the bed, they would cut you down to size to where you fit the bed. And if you were too short for the bed, they would stretch you 
to size to where you fit the bed. And if you fit, but if you fit the bed perfectly, the bed would fold in half. It was spring loaded and it would snap your spine and that literally just fold you in half backwards. And that is just evil. No wonder God wanted to destroy those dudes. They were like evil Nazi freaks. (laughs) You know? When you read about the history of the Assyrians, what they did to people. Yeah. You know, those, you know the Assyrians were uh, descendants of Shem? Really? I was looking, I was reading this book called The Sacred and Profane History of the World Connected. It's by uh, Samuel uh, Shuckford, which was written really, like, I think before 1800. And, or actually, the, I think the, the, the fifth volume came out, like, in the 1800s. Where I think it was written before America was, uh, it was how when uh, uh, Christianity was really rich in America at that time. And uh, this guy wrote, you know, he wrote uh, this, this, you know, a bunch of stuff. He was a historian. An ancient historian. This dude was. This dude nailed it. So I was, as I was going through, you know, some people believe that Nimrod and Semiramis, that's her name, were married, but that's not true. There was. It's always. There was going. To, I, I learned that. And I thought I always believed that until I, I got this book, and she actually married Nunu, who was uh, the Assyrian king, and Nimrod was, uh, uh, you know, like a cousin of his. And uh, Nimrod is part, is part is part of descendants of Ham, who his father was the first ruler of Egypt. That's pretty cool stuff, but it's still not sacred stuff. You know, it's not. It's it's it's, it's history, just like Joshua's history. And they go through some things like that in ancient history. It's a really good book, though. But still, when it comes to scripture, right? Scripture is already set in stone. And Paul knew that. And so Paul made sure that he, everybody knew that. And, you know, when John had it, he I, I know that he had every single thing all together before he died. And when he passed it on to Polycarp and Papias and some of his disciples that were in Ephesus, and I know he passed it. You know, it's very simple to find, easy to find, that you could find it. Some people are like, oh, how do you know that stuff? I said, it's, it's relative. Come on. Use your brain. Wasn't, uh, wasn't, uh, now Paul was schooled by, uh, I can't say, uh, Gamaliel. Yeah, Gamaliel. Okay, and he was a, he was schooled, he was schooled by John, was he not? Gamaliel? Yeah. Um, no. John was, remember, he was the younger of all of them. And even probably younger than, probably still about, maybe Paul's age or younger, I'm I'm not sure how that works. But, you know, John was in with, you know, in like Flynn with the, you know, the Pharisees, you know, in, in the Sanhedrin. He knew people. That's how him and Peter got in. Yeah, he was fairly rich. He was kind of a rich kid, I know. Yeah, and but he got in. And so, you know, but Gamamiel actually was, actually, I think Gamamiel, out of all the people that were Pharisees, Gamamiel was the smart one. It's like, uh, he was... You know, anything that really is like to Gamamiel being a Pharisee as he was, I think he was a very fair, like, uh, I don't I don't know how he was during what, you know, when Christ was, uh, I, I'm still not, I'm not sure about that yet, when Christ was still alive and, and, and where Gamamiel uh, played a part, but of course, I know what. Yeah, I, I, I probably have that wrong, but uh, I thought that, I, I'll, I'll 
I, I've always heard his name is Gamaliel. So I'll just say Gamaliel was schooled by John, and Gamaliel schooled Paul. That's, but I may be wrong, but I know it's very close like that. Paul was a Pharisee. He was already, he was, you know, he was alive during when Christ was around. So you gotta, yeah. He was a student growing up as a Pharisee. He was young, but he was there. He, he was there, and you got to remember, uh, after Christ's death, only, it wasn't that long, uh, somebody, when the Holy Spirit came out, and, you know, I don't know how many, if it was a couple years later, uh, how long, according to the time frame in Acts, where when Stephen got stoned, that Paul was there during the stoning of Stephen. Right. But you can remember Gamaliel, if I'm saying his name right, too, was when Paul was set out to go to Damascus and stuff, he, that's who he referred to. It's all in Acts. It shows you that, I mean, he already had his status as, a, like, a, a big-time Pharisee. Oh, yeah. He was a kid. Oh, Paul yeah. Of him. Oh, yeah. And Paul was, uh, I don't know how many people know this, but he was a Christian hunter. That was his job, hunting down Christians. And... uh you know, he was going. He was on his way hunting down some more Christians, and uh, Jesus uh, appeared to him on the road to Damascus and struck him blind. And uh, it always struck me, uh, you know, uh, when we get in these situations in our life when we're at the bottom, you know, and uh, we've hit bottom, you know, and we're at the bottom looking up. Because Paul, man, when he got struck blind there, he, the, what was the first thing Paul said right after he got struck blind? Um, what will you have me do? <laughs> See, who are you, Lord? Who are you, Lord? Right, yeah, okay, right. But then he said, what will you have me do? <laughs> there was your transformation right there. That was instant stuff right there. I mean, yeah. See, that's see. You know, now you see how fascinating the Bible was compared to anything else. Oh yeah. It, I mean, the joy of speaking it, like when we were talking about, like even like so all the books that I've re- I read about stuff. You know, Irenaeus, which is one of my favorite, you know, outside of the Bible books. Yeah, but the Bible itself. But, but that's, that's why irony is so you look for a book that really makes sure that the, the scripture is the look like if like when irony is when he says look I'm, I'm going into this like in, in other words it's not don't quote me as what he's saying exactly but what I got out of it you know just using my common sense but he's like look I'm, I'm going to go through this weird trip on you and I'm going to show you what scripture how scripture counteracts it but I'm going to let you know what people believe from the certain beginning of, you know, time until now. And he went through all this, the demi-urge and all this stuff. And you're like, oh, my gosh. And that's what well, I'm using this as an example. That's kind of like what Josh shared, which is uh, I still have yet to really want to look at that book. I mean, I Oh, I love that book. I've but... some excerpts and, and read some things on it. but uh, Oh, it's cool. What I've read so far, it, it starts out like with the book of Enoch. So I really was fascinated by these things because, you know, especially the part where it says that the angels taught the women how to wear makeup and stuff. Yeah. And they go, oh, that's why that, you know, and, you know, yeah. that, they all look like dancers, you know, and yeah. must taught them how to swing on a pole or something, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's why that's why the king, uh, uh, king, uh, blah, 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 Herod, 
man, when he, you know, when that, when that woman, that woman was dancing for him or was about to dance for him, he was like, I'll give you anything if you dance for me, do a strip show that, for me. That was his daughter-in-law. Yeah, sick, sick guy. <laughs> yeah, he married his brother's wife, you know. Yeah. And this, and yeah, but she's like probably got all kinds of makeup. She's looking just hot, hotter than fish grease. And, uh, and, uh, yeah, he says, I'll do anything for you if you dance for me. And she's like, oh, I want the head of John the Baptist, which he likes John the Baptist. He liked hey, you him. You know what? It was like his friend. I goes to my church. I had to do that for you just to keep it entertaining. <laughs> <laughs> that was, that was Megadeth. Oh, yeah, yeah. He goes to my church. He lives in Fallbrook. Wow. Him and his wife go to North Coast Church, not not Mid-City Christian Fellowship, where I, you know, where I serve at. But I, on Sundays, I go to this church. Which it, it's a big church, but uh, the pastors are right on with their with their message. But I couldn't believe it. Me and this, uh, um, I have a friend that goes to that church now that became a Christian. We were in the band punk rock scene together. And we used to share, a, you know, um, uh, a room together. His band and my band used to share a room together. So when we play, you know, alternative, you know, that he played, they would play anyway. We we used to hang out, and uh, we were just sitting there. And all of a sudden, we saw Dave Mustaine walk by, and it was like twelve forty-five. You know, because twelve forty-five is one of the they have three uh, different you know church times. Like they have it at nine o'clock in the morning, and then one at eleven o'clock, and after that, one at twelve forty-five or something like that. And all of a sudden, we're just sitting there, me and him were just talking, you know, and catching up and about what Christ has done in our lives after, you know, the old life, you know. And all of a sudden, Dave Stane walks by, walks by us, right? And we're sitting there talking. And we looked over, and we just sat there, and we just kind of watched him. And he, he knew we, we, you know, we saw him, you know, because I had my hair down, because I have long hair. And, you, and, and I will always wear it. I looked like the typical metalhead, too. And Steve looks like the typical punk rocker with all... And all of a sudden he's walking by, and I looked over, and we just looked at each other like, you know, we both looked at each other with this blank stare like, is that? No way. Was that? No way. And he looked over, and I go, God was damn Mustaine. No kidding. And so him and, and I found out that him and his, his wife is like very involved at that church. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. That's my favorite band of all time. I mean, I was a, I'm a big Megadeth fan. I always have ever since... They, they formed after he left Metallica and I heard the first you know the first album you know Killing Is My Business and Business Is Good and then the second album Peace Sells you know I was like oh I'm sold because I, I, I wasn't a big Metallica fan you know because I've always been a Motorhead fan but man I thought what the heck is this and uh, here it is years later I'm like oh praise God praise God that you you captured this guy Oh, yeah. I he, mean, he wrote, wrote some good songs, though, like this song right there that he did. And uh, he has, uh, which is, uh, he's he's like he's like you, Johnny. He's really into the uh, eschatology and stuff. Is he? Oh, he's big time. He wrote songs on it, like uh, Washington is Next, right? And he goes to the whole Daniel thing with Washington. Oh, wow. But, you know, like, uh, what is it? Um <laughs> That's, uh, it? You can hear it? Yeah, 
Yeah. And it's like, he goes, the eight miles bound power to the throne, Washington is next. So he's doing the Daniel thing with, on that song. Yeah. It's That's, actually pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. He's the, Dave Mustaine's a futurist. Cool. <laughs> he's always been a futurist, so kind of sort of, you know, like, he, his is like, you know, the politics, you know, always the politics, you know, from starting peace cells, right? You know, just because, you know, he was like that, but he's grown a lot. I don't know what he's doing now because I really haven't sat down and talked to him yet. Me, man, I've I've gone beyond, I've gone beyond all the political stuff and all the stuff like in futurism, and I'm gone way beyond that, man. I think the I think the end times are going to be so supernatural. I don't think that we. It's like you say, it's kind of a waste of time to predict all these things. I. I don't agree with that, really, but I think it's almost a waste of time because I think it's going to be so supernatural, the things coming on the earth, that we don't really have a frame of reference to even talk about it. And that's why, you know, I think a lot of that stuff in Revelation, it's all those images, I think, man, I like a lot of that stuff is actually real instead of just image. I think it's like trying to show us what's really going to happen is going to be really weird. I mean, really weird. I mean, we're not getting, we're not ready for that, you know. Uh, uh, so anyway, uh, let's get back to Iron Show One. We're about to wrap it up here. Come on, let me play some Iron Show One. Here we get it. Should comment. <laughs> I used to do that to you all the time. That, that was my my old band, Psychic Zoo, right there. Yeah. I gotta send you this stuff. Almost like Hendrix. Anyway, here we go. The transformation is instant, as far yeah. as spiritually. That's the transformation, right? Yeah. Well, pagan also just believes that one of you know is also a person that doesn't believe in Christ. Right. Yeah. The scientists, the scientists, some of them believe in science. Yeah. Only. And paganism goes stems all the way back. You either have, just like I said, you have an image. Here. For if you tell others with your own mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and believe in your own heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I need to confess to you that I believe that Jesus is God, and I need to believe in my heart that God has raised him from the dead. Now I'm saved. For it is by the believing in his heart that a man becomes right with God. Um, that is out there. Jesus Christ, he's very real. And if you're at that moment where you, you know, you, you, you are like us, like, you know, you're all like this. We've all been like this, and we've found. You know, seek and you shall find. You will find this. Jesus came, and he spoke you into existence, whether you believe it or not. He, he did. And that's the one thing we got to accept is to know <laughs> Like I said, we could use John 3, you know, uh, 3.16 very simply. It is for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever trusts, relies, believes, believes. That's what that means. Seriously believes in him. Shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And that's... 
you know, you see that everywhere, all over the place displayed. You see it in, you know, it is a real fact that you have Christ. You really do have him. You don't have, you know, you're feeling condemned or you're feeling lost and you're feeling guilty. You do feel guilty. We all do. And God wants to remove that guilt from you by entering into your heart and taking up his residencies and setting up his throne in your heart. So you could actually really have life. Because right now, you know, as in 317, it says, He who believes in the Son is not condemned. But he who believes not in the Son is condemned already. That means already from birth. You are going, you know, you're already there. You're not living. Jesus said, you know, let the dead bury the, their dead. Is there dead? You're dead man walking. But right now you have... Every opportunity is to call out to him. Ask him. He's there and he's listening. It might not be the way you're looking for. You know, how he's going to approach you. But man, he will do it. And once he does, he will open your eyes. Just like he did to Paul, who was the greatest religious man. Jesus said, behold, I'm at the door and I'm knocking. He's knocking on your door right now. And he also said that he that comes unto me, I will in no wise cast out, out, an heir. You know, you are an heir with him. It also says that anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Here's what you said before. But how shall they ask to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they'd never heard about him? And how could they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them unless someone sends them? That is what the scriptures are talking about when they say, How beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. In other words, how welcome are those who come preaching the God's news. But not everyone hears that. It's uh, verse 15. It's it's all in in its context. But not everyone who hears the good news has welcomed it. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed me when I have told them? Yet faith comes from listening to this good news, the good news about Christ, who is the Word of God. So the person that is out there... somebody's sitting there saying, man, you know, I'm in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls. I really don't want to leave, but I want to become a Christian. (laughs) What I would have to say to you is, you know, you just got to... Jesus wants you where you are right now. You just... You gotta take that first step of just believing in them and then inviting them into your heart. And you, you think you'll never become a good person? Well, you will. Because he begins a good work in you. Oh, yeah, baby. So it's finished. There'll be the goodness of that life that is in you. (laughs) Oh, yeah, baby. (laughs) Oh, that hit Rick, you know, like a ton of bricks. He's like, and he just, Rick was, he's just like playing, he just played it right off, you know. (laughs) At the time, I wasn't. You know, I, I didn't realize, you know, so it caught up in, in you know, it did, I just didn't let myself be real because, you know, there's a certain point in a Christian's life that you get so uptight and you don't realize that you go through this because I think every Christian goes through this. And, you know, it's like, we, you know, it, it kept hitting me for, throughout the years and, um, and then Johnny would say some things, and I'm, you know, I was, I was trying so hard not to be worldly. And, uh, <laughs> you know, let me tell you one thing. Okay. That okay. is completely impossible now. 
you cannot stop yourself from being worldly. And see, when the Bible says, you know, do not do not love the world or do be like the world, being worldly, it God understands that one thing in this sinful body that we still live in, even though sins dwells within us and we're no longer sinners, you know, that's really, you know, it's like trying to follow the law. And it, trying not to be worldly is probably going back to following the law all over again. Um, yeah. Abraham, look, it, our, our greatest example, the father of us all, technically, you know, the, the one who... Uh, he believed. He, he was worldly as they come. Um, I mean, but he has so much faith that the guy circumcised himself, man. It, you know, that little... Oh, my God! Whoa, that takes some guts, man. Up that. Yeah, I cut that little... I mean, come on, man. I mean, any man would be going... Ooh, I mean, they'd be grabbing their you know, cross by now. Yeah, but, with no lidocaine either. He didn't have no local anesthetic. You know, they, had, they had something. They had real strong wine to do. Oh, they, yeah, but they still. They had alcohol, but... Still. And they are new, because you got to remember, God, I mean, they weren't, you know, as third world as we think. But right. you got to think that all the things that you read about Abraham, look at the worldly things that he does. And this was a, a strong man of faith. He's our example. Yeah. And, but look, he still, no matter when he failed and he he tried it, like, oh, you know, well, I got to be like this and I, I, I got to lie about Sarai. And, you know, and uh, you know, he did it twice, guys, twice. If you read it, twice. Um, yeah, he lied about his wife. You know, one king, uh, and not just the king of Egypt, there's another king that he did it too, and I, I know I would have at the moment, I can't. Uh, yeah, David is another example of a worldly guy. But he wasn't as worldly. He had a king, and he was engulfed into that worldliness when he saw Bathsheba. Okay. And he was a man of God. Yeah. Uh, Solomon, you know, one of the wisest men in the world. I mean, this is, I believe, where the Chinese... You know, I think this is where Confucius borrowed all his stuff is from Solomon because you did. There's just you can't. Everybody copies him. So anyway, anyway, to him. It's like you say, but like you were the point you're making is you know, it's guy. You, I, I kind of agree with you. I, I I have to think about it for a while, but yeah, it's like we can we can't not be worldly. I mean, we're all worldly to some extent. We just. We're in the world, you know. We're living in tents of flesh. It's pretty hard to escape that, you know. Here's the, the, the scripture that Jesus gave. If you read John 17 in the prayer, I call this the Lord's Prayer, the real Lord's Prayer. In John chapter 17, in verse 15, he, you know, it, it, the thing he nails down, and the rapture people hate this verse because they always ignore it on me. Uh, is that Jesus says it's not? He says that I would have you not take them out of the world, but that you would keep them from evil. And again, yes. as James is, as Jude reminds us, I think it's always those verses go hand in hand. To him who will keep you from stumbling. Um, again, Johnny was like when he'd say things like off the wall things. <laughs> that's who Johnny is, and. Yeah. You know what? That's the best thing about him is because of the fact that, yeah, he has, uh, uh, I've heard him, you know, go, well, I'm not this, I'm not that. And I kind of look at that like, by whose standards are we thinking? Like, you see, Jesus is the one that set the bar higher. And then, you know, it's even higher. Like, when he went to that point, he says, 
you know, in the law it says thou shalt not murder. But I say that if you hate your brother in your heart, you have already committed murder. So whose bar are we really sitting by? Right. I mean, is, Jesus set that, that bar so high that, you know, it's... How impossible. And it's impossible. Right. So that's why we need, even if we've, we're going to fail, yep. we are definitely professional failures. Amen. I don't care if you're the greatest pe- preacher like Billy Graham or uh, anybody of those guys. You know, I, I don't care. You're gonna, you're a failure. You are uh, one who will fall into sin just like that. And what does the Bible say again? <laughs> you better watch yourself, lest you are tempted. Right. It's like I started thinking like. All the years you hear me on the old iron shows and you hear my, well, uh, you know, uh, I look back at that and I go, you know, I I think I'm really glad for the trials that God puts us through. You know what? I can say that. The agony, the pain, the worry, the things that we go through because that made me realize that how much I really need. I really need my king. I need my Jesus. Oh, man. Me too, man. And... Every day I ask them for strength, and I go, you know, oh, me I, too. I go, God, I'm, I'm who I am. And this is why I come back to saying that you're a unique person, and you have unique failures just like the rest of us. And if Tony still has a problem with Mexican girls and cocaine, <laughs> then, you know, we pray for him on that. Yeah. And- <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, uh- I was at a conference back east, you know, and I I thought, you know, well, I'm just going to blend into the woodwork here, you know, because, uh, you know, uh, I'm nobody, you know, but turns out I get in there and everybody's like r- walking up to me, dude, are you Johnny from the Iron Show? I, I heard you saying what's up from like way out in the parking lot. A couple oh of buildings. <laughs> what's up? And this Adrian guy named Adrian walks up to me. He's like, "Dude, are you Johnny from the Iron Show?" I said, "Yeah, what's up, man?" He's like, "He's like, oh man." He goes, "Man, I, man, I've been I've been listening to some Iron Shows for a while, man." He goes, "I'm I'm really into the old school stuff with you and Rick, man, from like back in the day." He goes, uh, "He goes, man, you know." What really got me is, man, it was like Rick was going off on this really deep thing, you know, and, and then you go, you go, well, 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 Rick, what what if I'm in like in a room full of cocaine and Mexican, Mexican girls and I decide I want to be a Christian? What what do I do? You know, and he goes, dude, I just like started laughing so hard. And he goes, you know, he goes, that stuff, man, you know, I listen to that stuff over and over again, man, all those old shows and stuff. And. And that night, he decided to, him and his wife decided to accept Jesus. And, and Russ Dizdar, Russ Dizdar is in the pool baptizing people. And, and uh, I, just as, he's, as, as Adrian's walking in the pool, I said, dude, man, I'd like to think the Iron Show had a, you know, played a small part in your salvation experience. Use it like this. And God, he said, he God said, use, use he, the phrase that God is the Iron Show. And he said, well, when I asked him, I said, I said, you know, I'd like to think the Iron Show played a small part in your salvation experience, you know, like tonight. He goes, dude, the Iron Show played the part. I'm like, thank God, you know. I mean, here I was really worried about this cocaine and Mexican girl thing because I was like bearing my heart. When I think about sin, I think about, you know, hold up in a room full of cocaine and Mexican girls who don't want to come out. (laughs) What's up? That's never going to leave because... 
First Corinthians one twenty seven. This is for you, Johnny. But God chose the foolish things of this world to shame the wise. <laughs> God chose the weak things of the world to shame the strong. Uh, oh, ooh, right there, buddy. But you know, like William Tell, you just shot the arrow right through the apple on the boys. You know, and, and God, God has been bringing me down because uh, you could become, uh, you know ultra-religious, and God doesn't want you to become ultra-religious. You know, he says, if, if anyone of you is religious, you know, basically, you know, if anyone's religious, then, you know, as in religion, as in pure, let it be pure, let it be, you know, you're not going to, you know, it's impossible to become the perfect Christian. Yeah, he said, Jesus set the bar so high that you just have to lean on him. You got no other choice. And God, you know, and... You know, like I said, you know, you're going to fall. Yes. Yeah. Take heed lest you fall. And, like, I keep thinking about all these things, like, you know, when I'm going after people or um, politics, I'm starting to think uh, what my old roommate used to tell me, uh, Uncle Robert, he uh, always, always used to tell me, where's the grace? And he always knew that I was so over overzealous. And... Uh, he, he always would use, you know, he goes, look, you're, you're who you are. And, uh, yeah. and God is the one who is sanctifying you daily. And yeah. you can't sanctify yourself. Nope. So once you think you're in the business of, of your own sanctification, in a sense, you think, you know, God's doing it. But you think that you're your own sanctification, you know, and then, oh, uh, Romney's Mormon, so we shouldn't vote for Romney because he's a Mormon. Uh, because, you know, he's... Part of the druids and, and 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 you know the satanic cult of the Mormons. I would agree. Gonna, I would agree with that statement. You know, some people say that, but it's like God used the. the I would bucket agree list. with that statement. Let's not vote for the cult leader. Yeah, um, <laughs> he goes. Uh, yeah, but he goes uh, you know, Thomas is just as much as the cult leader as he is. I'm trying also, to stir Rick up here. I know. I know he did. I, I'm not. I'm not pushing Ron. No, because I'm. Actually, was very you know walking on thin ice talking about oh let's vote for a Mormon and he's going to take over. <laughs> oh. <laughs> you know, let's you know, not let's not let's not make the Iron Show dated by talking about politics. But anyway, no, what I was using that as an example, as in, uh, and what I've you know saying whatever our president has done, you know the first thing we have to do is we have to pray for our leaders, regardless of how we feel about yes. them. Yes. Um, I mean, I'm sick and tired of it. I'm sick and tired of socialists. But um, uh, and then, you know, we have another guy. You know, it's coming in, and we have this uh, thing coming up anyway for you know our elections. But what what I'm talking about is is the mercy and grace, and and having our opinions just be overrided. We don't know what God's going to do. If God nope. basically anointed uh, King Nebuchadnezzar. As one of the king of kings of Babylon of things, uh, and then you know this king who had his own beliefs and his own gods actually believed in the real God, and the real God made this uh, man turn into uh, a beast, uh, a coming at the mouth beast with you know. And you read the story. This is Nebuchadnezzar. Nebuchadnezzar. Yeah, uh, his. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar. Yep. Thanks for the correction. Um, his l- letter is in Daniel. It is. He has a couple of chapters in there. Yes. So, 
Take a look at your leaders. Such a good point. Look at who they are, and let's pray that that that's what happens to them. And you know, that's what's happening to us as America. We're probably going through our his dream right now, and his uh, thing. But anyway, it's just I'm just using that as an example. So don't don't get out of whack. Plus, God can use. God has done it and can again use anybody or anything to do His will. Exactly. And so he's sovereign. He's in complete control. He's always been in complete control. Even when Satan tempted him three times when he was on earth, you know, Jesus, Jesus was still in control of all of it. And the funny thing is that people go off on that stuff too, which is crazy. What? Satan is a great liar, right? He didn't own the whole... He may be, you know, the ruler of this world, but he does, he didn't own all the kingdoms of the world for him to bow down because Jesus did. <laughs> he's like, I bet Jesus is like, oh, yeah. Jesus ultimate, fine. ultimately, I mean, it was given over to Satan, but ultimately, Jesus now, is the owner. Man, mean, dominion. He may have his name. Satan might not may have his name, you know, on the title, but God is the owner. He's ultimately in control. I mean. I don't, I don't, yeah. owns anything, but that's my opinion. I can't speak intelligently on that. I know like John Piper and others have said that G, that got, when Satan offered the world to Jesus, he couldn't, he wasn't offering something that hadn't been given to him in the first place. So, man, I, I can't speak intelligently on that. But anyway, but even so, God is still. Pilgrim's progress, he'll probably explain it to you better. Well, no matter what, God's ultimately still in control. <coughs> no matter how. You parse that out. But, you know, the whole point was just that, that, um, you know, don't worry about, you know, Mexican girls and cocaine, you know. Yeah, there you go, man. I mean, because, you know. (laughs) What's that? I'll tell you what, man. I tell you what, I felt bad about putting that out there in public, you know, but I was like, well, it's the Iron Show, man, it's rough, you know, it's supposed to be rough, but I still felt kind of bad until Adrian came up, man, and, you know, he's the only he's the only person that, you know, really ever was schooled in Jesus by the Iron Show that actually became saved that I know about, so I'm like, thank God, I mean, thank God for Adrian, man, love you, bro, dude. Anybody else that's out there, you know, if you're, you know, if you're, if you're in that room full of cocaine and Mexican girls and, and, uh, and that's, that cocaine's wearing off and you're feeling awful bad, awful guilty, and the life is so empty, vanity, vanity, all is vanity, chasing of the wind, you know, is that, that's, is that how you're feeling? Are you coming down off that crystal, you know? Oh, emptiness, everything's empty, there's so much horrible emptiness. And the darkness is closing. And guess what, man? Jesus is there, man. He's knocking at your door. You know, you just gotta, you just gotta say, Jesus. You know, open your mouth and confess it with your mouth. Say that Jesus, I believe that you're God. And I believe that you were raised from the dead, and I believe that you're the only way that uh, that I can get into heaven. I believe you died for my sins. I want to accept you right now. Jesus will take you right where you're at. I don't care if you're queer. You know, you're in some radical butt session, or you're in a room full of cocaine. <laughs> What's up? <laughs> room full of cocaine and Mexican girls. <laughs> Jesus did take you right where you are, man. 
I don't care how hardcore you are, dude. Where you're at, wherever you're at, Jesus wants you right there. He, he's gonna deal with your sins later. That's gonna happen. He's gonna sanctify you to where you're gonna end up being the kind of man that you, you know, look up to. I mean, ultimately, Jesus is going to um, perfect you and make you a saint. Because, you know, Paul said, Paul said in uh, Philippians, because Paul said in Philippians, you know, 1.6, he says, now, he said, you got to pay attention to this. He said, being confident, being confident, being confident of this very thing, that he that began a good work in you will perfect it. Until the day of Jesus Christ. Am I lying to you, Rick? No, you're not. The thing about it is, is wherever you're at in your life, uh, we've all been there. We're all sinners. Uh, we've came, we came to the same knowledge. Uh, the Bible says that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And what that really, if, if you, you come to that point, whatever you're doing in life, whatever sin that you're involved with, whatever sin that has you, if it's, you know, from, the worst part to, you know, you're maybe the richest person in the world and you have everything and, you know, you probably you pay your taxes and you, uh, you know, you do all the, you know, you do all the right things. You give to charity and all that stuff. But, you know, uh, to, to the lowest point where the guy's shooting heroin, you know, or, uh, you know, the guy's cursing out God right now, you know, like my whole message to you is, uh, I didn't come, as Johnny says, you know, to asking Jesus in my heart and, uh, you know, oh, Lord, you know, well, I was opposite. I was in, in, in my wake-up call and my realization of who God really was is I actually had it out with God. I hated God. I hated Jesus in the sense. Now, I don't think I passionately hated him. Like, you know, I really wanted him to kill me. Tell them about. Tell them about that. Tell them about that session that you had. Tell yeah. them about that session that you had with Jesus. There's a saying in Job that Job's wife said to him, "Curse God and die." And I, I understood that through years because I've always been a, a, a bookworm. So I've always read all kinds of stuff. If you ever met me in person or come see what I, you know, I like. I'm a book freak, so I'm a nerd. But at that moment, my my prayer was how much I hated God, how much I hate you for what my life was about, uh, the the things that have happened in my life, the child molestations, uh, the 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 things you know, I, I, the things that I became victim of, the things that I I thought when I you know that wasn't there, but the things that I've also did, and uh, but I was still I had it out, you know, wanting to be that rock star to to travel the world and be you know to have my own. Uh, behind the music special of how much of a, uh, a dirtbag I became. No. <laughs> but um, when it comes down to it, I had it out with God. And uh, that night, nothing seemed to be working. I was doing dope and uh, everything I had, my girlfriend left, all this, stu- all this stuff started happening because of me. And uh, I just had it out. And I should have went to jail those nights, but God didn't take me to jail the cops just told me to keep it down. It was kind of weird. They should have, they were supposed to take me to jail, but God seemed to not let that happen. And out here, I'm wrecking my house. Uh, and wrecking, I'm, I mean, throwing things through the windows. I'm, I'm breaking my television set. I mean, I actually had an actual, 
uh, if you ever seen the movie The Wall, you know, <laughs> I, I had one of those moments, and uh, what's probably where I got the idea from when I was angry, but uh, uh, yeah, yelling out the windows, and finally, it, it seemed weird after I got all that out. God, what he did is, I think I passed out, and I woke up the next morning, and I had um, this song. I had a song like this that was going on. Um, it was, it's kind of weird. Did you hear that? And there's this, it's a song. Messiah. I had something like this going in my head at the same time. Jesus, I don't know, God, after all the things I said to God, all these things that I did, it was that was my prayer, though. I acknowledged who he was. I knew who he was in my heart. I knew he was God and creator of all. Um... I was asking him to take my life from me. I was to take my life, to, to kill me, to destroy me. I wasn't going to take my own life. I felt that was always the coward's way out. I mean, even the drugs I was taking, it was uh, yeah, yeah. said. He wasn't doing it. Oh, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But, um, coward. God did do what he said he did. He did actually, and from this day on, I'm being sanctified. I'm being killed all day long. And, uh, which is, that's what I asked for because of the fact that now it's not about me any longer. It has nothing to do with me or what has happened to me, what, uh, anything. That God took me out of that and he saved me actually from myself, but he saved me from everything else. And he became my redeemer. He, he became my best friend. He became my God, my king, my brother, every, everything. And even though I still struggle with a lot of things, you know, being a single man for this, the whole time, you know, of course, some of you men out there that are Christians can understand the things that the major struggle that we go through, I call it called the SMS syndrome, um, that that was my prayer. But there, the prayer is what Johnny was saying, using before, is you're going to come to that point where you're like, Lord, I need to be saved. And you come to the foot of the cross. Now, here's Jesus that took upon the whole of mankind's sin upon himself and he took it to the cross and paid the punishment that you and I extremely deserve. That God did not have to save us at all. Not one. He, there's no reason. What, what reason would God have to save us in the first place? We are continually evil. He says it right in the beginning in, in chapter 6 of Genesis. We're going back to that again, Johnny. But the main point of that chapter was man was continually evil. Evil. Yeah. Right there. I mean, yeah, we're yeah. still continually evil. Even if he flooded the earth to try, you know, to start over again with Noah's family, we still are continually evil. It hasn't stopped. That is set in stone. We, When we fell in the garden, we fell. Even though Adam and Eve fell, we fell. We are humans. The first humans fell, we all fell. We yeah. all fall short of the glory of God. We're just as bad. So 
even if it was unfair or not, that they made the decision to fall. We're just as bad as they are, you know. We're just as wicked as they are. You know, it's like when Rick said, you know, we fell in the garden. Wow. Dude, you don't think you're as wicked as they were. Man, you're wicked. You don't understand how wicked you are. Jesus is rich in mercy. He just wants to reach down and show mercy on you right now. Man, if you're a heathen and you want to come to Jesus right now, Jesus is there. Man, he wants to show you mercy. If you're a, if you're a Christian and you've backslidden into brutal sin, Jesus is there. He wants to give you mercy right now. He's rich in mercy. He, he's ready to give you some right now. Just ask him for it. You know, There's no sin that you, you're in or that you have done that he hasn't already paid for. Amen. Amen. Jesus looked down from the cross and he said, it is finished. Completely. 100%. This is before the foundations of the world. Now, to understand that, that's another different subject. Right, yeah. But you're right now listening to this program. You may have smoked pot right now and did a bunch of, bog, you know, bee snaps. Uh, you <laughs> hit a couple of lions. You just, you've been drinking all night. Uh, you probably involved in, you know, gay sex or whatever. Sniffing amyl sniff you know? nitrate, you know. I don't care. What you, <laughs> you know, you might, you might be in prison and you might have murdered somebody. Yeah. You might be Jeffrey Dahmer and uh, you might have did what he did. And uh, you, might, you, know, you might be Ted Bundy. Uh, you're in prison. I don't care where you're at. You might be a person that's struggling. You might have schizophrenia. You might. I don't care what uh, debased mindset you have. Uh, we're all debased. We all were debased. Jesus put that on the cross so now that we can come boldly to his throne and ask for mercy. Oh, mercy. And you know what? He said he will turn nobody away. Nobody. No. I don't care. You know, I'm a, one who, I'm a person that does believe in election. And we don't have to get into that either. Yeah. But he did say. Deep subject. Completely. That right now, that you're listening to that. He has elected you right now. That's right, come, buddy. The thing about it is, I don't want to hear that you've already come to him. And he's calling you right now. It, he's, he's using the Iron Show. I, I don't know how he's doing it. He's using, I don't know why he's using a bunch of goofballs like us. But... He's calling you now. And if you, you know, why would you want to turn that down? Is, is your sin that worth it? Is it really that worth it? Is it that really worth it to die for? That you would want to be eternally punished and not come to that point where you say, oh, uh, Jesus said, you know, if you love me, if you do not love me, I'll, you know, I'll throw you into hell. That's not what it's about. No. That's not what it means. No. He offers this to you every day. Every time you breathe in his air that he owns, and every time you speak the words that you're speaking now that he owns, that he owns every. but he's not a cruel God. He never was. There's nothing evil about him. No. He is, you know, this, this is the one that you have to come to realization. If God did not love his glory, this is not an egotistical statement, that we wouldn't be created. His mercy he is. He is. This is his character is one hundred percent love. 
Yes, his mercy is his glory. And you're part of his glory. And he's like, look, I want you to come out of that sin. Even though you've sinned against me a thousand billion times, right? Right. You know, and some are going to hell because that's what their will wants. And he's going to, he goes, okay. It's been a long, it's been a lot of sins, man, but. Jesus is rich in mercy. He's got mercy. He's got more mercy than you got sin. Amen? Amen. And so, as you're listening, and we thank you for listening, we thank you for coming here and listening to a bunch of goofballs talk about, about a bunch of stuff. But you know, the one thing about is you're going to come to this point. And you know what? The thing that me and Johnny do not want you have to come to is when you stand before him, he's going to say, why didn't you, why did, why did you take my offer? Why did you make it till it was too late? Because he did make it too late. Because he is also, you know, the judge. He is our judge. He's going to judge us. And he's going to judge every thought, everything that we have done from the day we were born. Everything. And as Jesus took that punishment on the cross, and all of a sudden said, why didn't you believe me when I went on the cross for you? And I said, look, you're done. I want you, I want you to be in glory with me forever. I've always wanted that. But you chose, you know, the alternative. You chose, you chose hell over me. And uh, because you chose your sin over me. And that's what you have to come to at this point. Yeah, don't do that. And Johnny wants, Johnny and I, this is the whole thing why the Iron Show exists. Iron Show exists so we can sharp each, you know, sharpen each other on the Word of God. And, and bring uh, you to Jesus, I mean, because that's, that's the ultimate goal. That's why we're here. Because he's all we have. He yes. is everything. He is your satisfaction. If you, you know, he will show you. Look, I've created you. You know, I can satisfy you 100%. Everything. And get everything out of your mind and what that means to you. I mean, you know... He's there for you. He's your only hope. He's your only... He's the only way, truth, and life for you. And whatever you're seeking for, you find it in Christ. All the other religions, you know, they're all self-led. Even, you know, Buddhism, all the, you know, it may have self-sacrifice and all this stuff and channel, but Jesus says, this, I, you don't need none of that. You don't need a religious point of view. Right. You know, the other religions say, you know, I know the way. Let me show you the way. I know you. The, I know the way. But Jesus says, I am the way. Exactly. And I'd like to thank you all for uh, coming down here to this Iron Show. Uh, I'd like to, I'd like to uh, congratulate Rick uh, for three years in your ear. The Iron Show has been in your ear for three years. And uh, we were so happy to be down here and hanging out with you and talking to you and, you know, and sharing Jesus with you. And like we said, man, take turn, turn, man, turn or burn. You know, you only got one sin to, you only got one sin, you know, that you have to deal with, and that's your sin of disbelief. You got to start there. So believe in God and live eternally. All right. All right. So, and continue the next anniversary series that we're going to continue with, because we, I think, uh, Johnny, we should be going to that and going through some of the best moments of our shows. 
because I guarantee, you know, on the fly, you know, we always got to kind of go through that because, you know, we're here to have fun. We're here to uh, to love on each other as, as friends. And, you know, the thing about it is me and Johnny have never met in person. Yeah, that's true. This is how we've met each other. We know each other really well as in, as in the voices on the other end. But personally, me and Johnny have never seen each other face to face. You know what? I've never seen Jesus face to face either. So there. But you know, but the thing about it is, one of these <laughs> days, you and me, Johnny, we're going to have to, uh, we're going to have to uh, meet each other. Yes, we are going to. I'm going to fly down there, and we are going to do an Iron Show in the same room. So uh, stay tuned for that. A lot of you people have been asking me, you know, what happened to Rick? I missed some old school sessions. Well, we were going to continue to do those. So yeah, because now that I have a set schedule, um, I, I can make some effort. All right. All right, and so we're going to end this Iron Show with our uh, a traditional three-year-long tradition of one, two, three, goodbye. Are you ready, Rick? <laughs> <laughs> That's my, that's my old band right there. Hear that? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. It's a great song, dude. This is like one of the best songs we ever did, man. Here's me right there. You hear that guitar? Watch. That's a groovy tune, man. Give me key. Sounds like Hendrix, man. Something like get into my life, into my dream. Yeah. Anyway, um, uh, what is going? But hey, just uh, just remember the message. Anyway, we're gonna do it the old-fashioned way, right? Yes, we are, buddy. So let's just try to see if we can get it right this time. <laughs> <laughs> Right, probably, but we're gonna give it a shot. Echoes on that. We're gonna give it a shot. 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 Ready? And uh, one. And uh, two. two, And uh, three. three.